0: Let's pray before we jump into this passage father we thank you again this morning that we can gather together we pray Lord you would open our hearts to hear and to receive your word this morning in your name amen amen it's been a while since I preached so bear with me it's been a it's been a moment another little one is he sleeping right on We've got an extra little guy with us we keep him quiet as long as possible tuck him away we are picking up again in Acts 18. Paul is on his second of three missionary journeys visiting areas of Europe and Asia Minor. And we're picking up the story now in Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece. And this passage finds us highlighting a moment where Paul is facing a difficult circumstance and God speaks to him in that circumstance. And I want to approach the passage uh in three, three ways, three areas I want to talk about just quickly. Uh, the last one will be the most important. But the first one is calling. The second one is conflict. And the third one is comfort. Calling, conflict, comfort. And the first phrase, the calling phrase, if you look at verse 4, is where we find this. It's, a, it's an affirmation of Paul's mission and what he's about. And it's a good reminder for us as well as we move through Acts. He reasoned in the synagogue every sabbath and tried to persuade jews and greeks paul is engaged in his calling and that calling is a long-term calling it's a long-term work of sowing the seeds of the message of the gospel of telling people about jesus of sharing what god has done sharing the gospel Is Not neither for Paul nor for us just a one-off thing like oh, I shared it once and now I'm good You know, I've shared the gospel, but it requires time Paul takes specific time to get to know the people who need to hear about Jesus There is a relational aspect to sharing the good news of the gospel He goes often to share with them. There's time to reason to address the questions to consider the doubts or the resistance. And notice that Paul is going weekly every Sabbath or perhaps even more often, we don't know, but he's going for the Sabbath gathering to the place of teaching for the Jewish people of the city to engage with them. And we could put it this way for us, that living out the Christian life, sharing what God has done, living the faith that we've been called to, requires a willingness on our part to return often to the place of synagogue. And by that, I mean this. What stands out to me in verse 4 is that Paul chooses often to go back and keep talking with people that probably were difficult to talk with. He chooses, even though it's not easy, to be led by the Spirit To engage with those who are seeking. The synagogue was a, a cultural gathering place. It's where the Jewish people would gather together, but we also have Greeks who are there as well. And so there's a mixed bag of people, different ethnicities. And Paul chooses to go to that place to speak about Jesus. And it got me thinking what is the synagogue in our lives? What is the cultural gathering place? where there are people who need to hear about Jesus. And are we going to that place? Are we going often to that place to share with them what God has done with us? Is it in your workplace? Is there a place where people gather together? Perhaps it's in the classroom. Perhaps it's the coffee group. Perhaps it's the Facebook group, which is the cultural gathering place of the people. And the question for us this morning, Paul knew where he needed to go to engage with those who needed Jesus. And we need to ask the question, where is God calling me to share the gospel with love and compassion? Where is the cultural gathering place in my time? I can remember before pastoring when I was working and people would discover I was a Christian, uh, I would often be in situations where I could choose to kind of go along with the crowd to do whatever they were about, or to use the same sort of language they used, or to talk about and share the same kind of jokes that they would share, which was not always great, as you can imagine. And I had to make a decision whether to just disengage from people and be like, Well, I'm not like them. I don't want to be like them. I'm going to pull away. Or to choose to continue to go to the place where there were people who needed to hear the gospel, even if they didn't say the things that maybe sounded the best or, or or wouldn't be the sort of people we would appreciate showing up in a certain situation. God helped me to realize even though that environment wasn't always great I was called to extend friendship and compassion to the people that needed to hear about Jesus and to keep returning to that place even though I didn't always want to because there was people there who needed to hear about God. It's the same even now when I am pastoring and there's people around town uh, or people that come to our doors looking for help and they they want to come and hear some something of hope, some sort of message. Um, often when they show up at church, they know it's a church, there's going to be a Christian there, probably a pastor there. Um, but they're coming as people who want to hear something that will speak into their lives. I remember sitting once with a uh, a lady for about a half hour just on the front steps. This was in the fall. And uh, she just wanted someone to listen to her. And it was getting cold out. I remember her saying, uh, there just hasn't been a lot of people willing to really talk with me. And she just sat and cried on the front steps of the church and needed someone to sit with her. And, and I tried to tell her, you know, there's services in Thunder Bay or Winnipeg that would be better. We could probably get you get you a bus ride there. And she said, I don't want to because my daughter's buried in the cemetery and I don't want to leave her. In that moment, extending the compassion and the grace of God meant stopping to spend time with that one at the place where people are meeting. Paul chooses to spend the time with people and he keeps returning to the gathering place of his day to talk about jesus to try to persuade them that the king wants to pardon and forgive you come to him today and paul's called to that task of mission and so too are we who is who are the people who is the one that god is calling you to share the gospel with but be aware just as you are called into that there will be conflict that task brings conflict and that's what we discover in the next few verses 5 to 11 or Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. They opposed and reviled him, and he shook out his garments. That's an act of saying, I've done my duty. I've shared the gospel. I've done my part, and, and you're, you will be left to your own devices, is basically what he's saying. I've done, I've done what I can do, but I can't force your hand. You guys know the truth. I'm innocent. I've been faithful to my calling, but I'm going to leave it there. And he leaves, and you think, well, he would probably leave to get further away, and all he does is go next door. Did you catch that? He leaves the synagogue kind of in a huff and just crosses the street and goes and visits his friend who's right there. And you can get this sense of Paul's own exhaustion in living out the Christian calling. He's tired. I think we can, we can imagine the early apostles are very capable and very clever, uh, but, but imagine how tiring this would be, how emotionally and mentally and spiritually draining this would be for Paul, where he's often traveling. That alone is enough to drain me. I'm, I'm done at the travel bit. But here's Paul traveling, meeting new people. As an introvert, I'm also exhausted by this point already. I'm done I've traveled and met new people I'm I'm bushed but here's Paul travels meets new people and then proclaims his faith discovers a few believers usually faces some kind of opposition then he has to defend himself publicly and then goes to the next city and does that whole pattern all over again he's probably exhausted he's beat this is tiring work And I think for many of us, our lives may not be as exhausting as that, constantly on the road. But we too can feel that temptation to give up along the way. And I'm speaking particularly to to Christians this morning. We can feel that temptation to give up in living for Jesus, can't we? If we're honest about it, it's sometimes really hard, it can seem fruitless. It can seem useless sometimes. What's the point, we might ask? I think that's Paul's heart here where he shakes the dust off and just goes, I'm done. I'm done with this. And it made me ask as I was preparing this passage for this Sunday, what areas in my own life do I feel prone to give up in like Paul? Where in my own life do I suffer with the temptation to just say, I'm done, enough of this? Often that's the place where I might feel afraid or anxious, where I'm aware of things wearing me down in life. I think we're, we're very aware, uh, just even in the past week, in the past few weeks of events in our world, of the, the protests all around Canada and just the deep division in our country that that illustrates. I think we're also probably very aware this morning of, of the violence in the Ukraine. And this ongoing situations internationally. And there can be a real sense of exhaustion and tiredness of this. These things can weigh on us. And here's Paul trying to live out the Christian life as best as he can. And he's beat. And he goes next door. And he's tired. And thankfully, that's not where the passage ends. And this brings me to the third point, the last point. In verse 9, Paul hears a word from the Lord. And it's in that place of being ready to give up and being potentially overwhelmed that Jesus speaks into Paul's life. In that place of being tired. Or in this, in this case where Paul may have been fearful for his own security. Fearful of what might come. He needed to hear god's word to him and jesus speaks five words to paul in that moment first he speaks comfort he says do not be afraid don't be afraid and then he speaks affirmation he says go on speaking and don't be silent then he speaks a word of assurance he says i'm with you and then there's a promise no one will attack you to harm you. And finally, there's a message of hope. I have many in this city who are my people. And you know what that means. What's he saying? Paul, you're not alone. Paul, you're not alone. You may feel like you're alone, but there's others here who know me. It's going okay. You're not alone. There's comfort. For Paul's emotions and fears, don't be afraid. There's an affirmation of Paul's mission and purpose. Go on speaking. There's an assurance of being where God has called him to be. I am with you. There's a promise of God's hand and protection upon him. No one will attack you or harm you. And then there's that hope. Paul, you're not alone. There's many in this city. I know you're trying to be faithful. I know it feels hard right now paul it's okay and jesus speaks into that moment in paul's own life where he needs comfort and affirmation and hope and how many of us are in that place this morning or have been in that place where we need to hear god speak his comfort and his assurance into our lives I wanted to focus particularly on that phrase, I am with you. I think that's worthy of our attention, because in it, we hear the name of God from Exodus, the I am, coming alongside a human, you. And the key word is with, with, to come alongside, to be together. It's a preposition, right? It's a word that describes how things relate to each other, the I am is with you. Poet and pastor Malcolm Gite, he talks about prepositions like this. He says, in Christianity, everything turns on the prepositions. They're tiny little words, like in Christ, in you, the hope of glory. Or for, if God is for us, who is against us? Or through we make our prayer to the Father through the Son and Spirit. And perhaps most of all, with God with us. Of course, what do we celebrate at Christmas? The coming of Emmanuel. God with us. And Jesus' words here to Paul echo God's words to his people through the ages. We could think of Isaac fear not, I am with you, I will bless you. We could think of Joshua where God says, I was with Moses, and now I will be with you. We can think of David. Do all that's in your heart, David, for God is with you. We can think of Mary. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And now to Paul. Paul, I'm with you. And to you and I this morning, the I am is with you. He's with you. Paul needed to hear that. And so do you and I. Because it's easy to see our own challenges and our own shortcomings. It's easy to feel alone or, or, or to feel primarily our flaws and to think, am I the only one that's exhausted? Am I the only one with like a messed up family situation or facing criticism from people or feeling anxious? Like, is something wrong with me? I just feel alone. But that's not true. Jesus promises, I am with you always. I am with you. And we all need to remember this, that Jesus is present in our needs and in our loneliness. Of course, that's what the promise of the Holy Spirit is all about, God's life-giving presence in us and with us to comfort and to guide us into truth. Unless we think it's all just about me and Jesus, just getting that sort of straightened out, Of course, what does God say? I have many people in this city. Paul is not called to go and try and just do it on his own strength. Jesus has to remind Paul, and I think in this passage, remind all of us that we're part of a larger company. There's a larger story with details that I'm unaware of that God is doing and that God is at work. I may not have any clue about it, but God is at work. Dean Pinter puts it this way. He says, The Lord does know our name, and he meets us personally, but we live and work and serve in community. We're part of the body of Christ. Each of us has a unique part, but none of us can function in isolation. We can be tempted to think we're alone. Not true, says the Lord. There are still thousands who are God's people who have not bowed to idols. I'm with you, says Jesus. And those words, if we let them, if we attend to them, can shake us out of our despair and help us come to our senses, bringing comfort and relief. And we can hear and receive those words from Jesus today. I am with you. He's with you. And he's placed you in the communion of saints. How do we live this out? Two things, very simply, I would say. The first is, We need to know the one who says, I'm with you. We need to know Jesus, the one who speaks into our worry. And if you don't know him, I encourage you to come to him today and to confess your sins and to give him your life, to make him your Lord. But secondly, if you do know Jesus, will you take the time to let those words wash over you, both today and this week? I am with you. Let those sink into your bones. And hear Jesus saying over you, do not be afraid, keep going, I'm with you. Paul, in seeking to live for Jesus, needed to hear that encouragement. To know that God has got us as we seek to live for him. And it's encouraging to know that even when we feel discouraged or afraid, just as Paul did, that Jesus is present to comfort to assure us, to affirm, to give his promise, to give us hope, to rescue. And so as we close and as we head to the table, I want to ask, what area in your life do you need to hear Jesus speak into today? Where do you need to hear him say, I am with you, you're not alone? And as we pray, let's give that over to him and let the Holy Spirit remind us that we are indeed with christ and one another let's pray lord we thank you this morning again for the promise and the encouragement that you have got us the reminder that living for you and being a christian doesn't mean always getting it right and having the best attitude and always knowing exactly what to do but we see here in paul just a real human dimension of feeling exhausted and frustrated and afraid And Lord, you come alongside him in that moment to remind him of your goodness and your grace and your compassion, and that he's not alone, that you're with him, but also he's not alone in terms of his friendships and the fellowship of other Christians. And you've called us, Lord, to be in community together. And so we thank you, Jesus, that you are doing that work in us today. We thank you that we're not alone because you're with us, but also that we have People here in our church family and Christians around the world who are uh, living for you, and we can draw strength and encouragement from them today. Lord, we pray for for those in our church family who aren't well. We think of those in the hospital, those that are sick at home. We pray for your grace and your hope to surround them. Lord, we pray for our, our various ministries today here as a church. We thank you for the leadership of. Those that serve on a regular basis and we just pray for your strength and your encouragement for each one of them Lord we think of of things here at home and around the world Lord we pray that you would come and and heal our land and move by your spirit in our hearts and in our lives Lord would you move by your spirit in the hearts and lives of our leaders both on a municipal level, but also on a provincial and a federal level. Lord, we pray that you would bless marriages and families. Lord, that you would do your work in the hearts of those who seek you and those who do not know you. Lord, we do pray for the situation in the Ukraine, that you would bring an end to destruction and violence. Lord, that you would protect innocent people. Lord, as we recognize the brokenness in our world, It points us forward to that day when we know you will return and set things right. So, Father, we thank you that you hold all these things in your hands. And we ask, Jesus, that you would remind us again today that you are sovereign, that you are good, that you are with us, and you have a good plan and purpose for us. Lord, as we come to this table today, we pray that it would be a a tangible reminder of the welcome that we receive from you that you're with us, close enough that we can share a meal with you, that you fill us up afresh for that calling to share the gospel with those who need to hear it. And we ask this in your name. Amen.